Welcome to a special edition of the Hump Day Exchange. We're going to depart from our normal uh, format of three different speakers um, because we had a, a really great opportunity to sit down uh, and really get to know uh, a, a good friend of ours now, Bal Bansell, who is with Coca-Cola European Partners. And he, he's based out of London, and he comes to Atlanta on about once a quarter. Uh, and uh, having gotten to know him, I thought, you know, I'd love to get uh, more people to hear what he has to say and share his thoughts and ideas and insights about innovation uh, for large companies as well as innovation for startups. So um, we did that. Uh, he was able to come and on his last trip sit down and share his thoughts on a presentation that he uh, called Listen and Learn. Uh, and I'm really excited to be able to share that with you. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, so here you go. Right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're uh, really excited to have a, a special guest tonight coming in to uh, speak with us at the and home of Sandbox here in the garage, Bal Banzel from Coca-Cola European Partners. Uh, got a great history in terms of corporate innovation, Kodak and Coca-Cola, obviously, but working in uh, the idea of how do big companies and small companies kind of come up with new ideas and come together and work together. Uh, welcome. Thank you for coming out tonight. Thank you. So um, what is it that you wanted to, you have this idea of listen and learn, um, but before we start listening and learn to you, tell us a little bit more about your background. What led you here? What, how did you get here tonight in terms of your, your career? So um, we've got a, a lab here, uh, Innovation Lab, where we're um, experimenting with a variety of technologies. We work with a lot of people around here, around Georgia Tech. Um, and that's the reason why I'm coming here kind of every quarter, every couple of months. Um, to meet people, to understand what's going on. Uh, this is a great environment. Um, there is a lot going on here. I travel various other places. So um, as I mentioned, I'm from London or England. Um, and uh, I get to travel around kind of Paris and Brussels and various other places. And when I come here, what I like is how everyone engages with each other. You know, the, the conversations, just dropping in and just talking and, you know, it, it could be the culture. I don't know what it is. Like, hey, how you doing? You know, I like it. It's great. You know, you get the conversation going. Whereas, you know, we Brits and some of the, the French folks are a little bit more conservative to shake hands in morning. So how did, how did you get involved in this, this whole thing of innovation for a, a large, large company? Um, that is a great question. And I wasn't ready for that. Um, how did I get involved with innovation? It's kind of um, my background. And I'll, I'll go through it. I've got some more information to share with you, but how to get involved. So my background's Lean Six Sigma. I don't know if anyone's heard of Lean Six Sigma. Yes, yeah, so I'm a Six Sigma black belt. I used to work in HR, um, and now I'm in IT, responsible for tech innovation. How the hell that happened, I don't know, but it's happened. Um, and it's great. It is absolutely fabulous. I'm applying kind of lean principles throughout. And you know, what I'm gonna go through is, I've broken this kind of, um, I'll call it a presentation, it's more of an informal talk, into two parts. Uh, first part is listen. I just want to go through some things where why listening is very important. And then learning, you know, is even more important to learn. Um, I just want to share some examples with you guys from my background. Um, as mentioned, I've worked for um, a number of companies. I've learned a lot during my process. So, you know, like I mentioned, I learned a lot when I was in HR. Um, I know about British employment laws. Why someone in IT would want to know that? Well, I don't know, but it's great to have that knowledge. Um, and things I've done on the side, so outside of work as well. Um, I was just talking, saying, um, you know, five weeks ago, I started a little flooring business, which now I'm getting orders for, and I'm getting T-shirts printed. And uh, when customers ask me, oh, when are you free? Weekends only. <laughs> so what do you do about that? <laughs> struggle <laughs> trying to find some people to work for me now but it's you know it's really easy to I think it's really easy to, to get going to to work with others um, and hopefully you know some of the things that I bring up you guys can I'm not asking you to take notes or anything like that but what I'm asking you is just kind of absorb some of that information and apply it um, you know, I go to a lot of conferences. I listen to a lot of people. Um, I take what they're saying and I apply it. Um, and there'll be, there's two things I want you to take away from today. Um, I'm not going to tell you what they are now because I'll just ruin the whole thing. So <laughs> I'll tell you at the end what those two things are. Take them away. Please apply them. And I can guarantee you, you'll get success. I can guarantee you that. Before we dive in, uh, my last question is, uh, tell me about your favorite cheese. I hear you're a, you're a man to ask questions about cheese. 
so uh, just the, for the, the record, reason they told me not to ask about cheese but we're asking about cheese so Going um, for it. so we met when did we first speak about doing this april no. yeah about six months ago yeah april and um so i know a few cheese jokes and i and i, I spoke to tim and i said tim i want to talk um with scott and a few guys and uh, i want to share a few cheese jokes and he said no don't don't do it val a they're not funny and b just just don't don't do it so um, that's why Scott's asking me about the cheese. Kind of a few cheese jokes, but um, no, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. Tim's looking at me. I, I can't risk it. <laughs> He's saying do it. I can't. No, seriously, I can't. It's a build up. We, we expect you know, a, one I'd, cheese I'd joke. I'd like to. You know, let, let me tell you a quick story then. So as in, um, as in uh, Publix, just up the road here. You know, Publix, yeah, just up the road. And I was walking down the aisle, and um, some chap there threw some cheese at me, and I turned around and said, "It's not very mature." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, all right. Come on, come right, on. That's good. That's good. <laughs> okay, that's why Tim said, "Don't tell the cheese jokes." <laughs> I think you proved it was worth it. It was good. All right. Oh, with that, why don't you uh, go into it? What, what, do, what do you want to share with us? All right. Um, I've got some uh, slides here, and for those listening on the podcast, I'm going to just talk through some of these as well. Um, so. I'm from London, or I live in London, but I was actually born in a place called Nottingham, which is about 120, 130 miles north of Nottingham. Um, Robin Hood, you know Robin Hood? Yeah, the original. I know the <laughs> Excellent. So Robin Hood, famous, um, famous person from Nottingham. So that's where I was born and raised, um, spent most of my life. Um, why am I sharing this with you? Well, Nottingham's got a great um, history. Um, it's very rich. Uh, there's Nottingham Castle. There's a lot there. And, you know, when we talk about innovation and kind of hubs, etc., nothing's been happening there for a long time. Nothing. Yeah, you've got all these amazing stories about what's been going on, what's been happening. And um, if you look around the world as well, there's um, a lot of places where you would not expect innovation or, you know, startups or entrepreneurship. Um, Tel Aviv in Israel huge, huge innovation community there. Entrepreneurs there, absolutely massive. I was there, I think it was last year, and it was fabulous meeting so many people. Um, so, you know, innovation can happen anywhere in the world. Um, and uh, as I mentioned, I've broken this into two areas, listen and learn. Um, you know, why is listening so important? I'm gonna share a couple of slides. Um, there's a great quote there. We're great at talking. Everybody wants to share their own stories. Everybody wants to tell everyone else. How often do you guys pause and listen to others? Not that often, right? Um, and that's one thing I want to kind of share with you is, you know, you, you guys need to listen to others. It could be a story. It could be tell you, you know, not interesting at all, but there might be one little bit that you might be able to take away from somebody else and use it to your own advantage to understand. That's me. You want to read the quote for the podcast? Oh, yeah, okay. Let's read the quote for the podcast. Um, I remind myself every morning, nothing I say this day will teach me anything. So if I'm going to learn, I must do it by listening. So, as mentioned, I used to work for Kodak. Um, at this point, I wanted to make clear, there's no correlation between Kodak going bust and me working there. Okay? Uh, nothing to do with that. Just causation. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I used to work at Kodak. Everyone's heard of Kodak, right? Excellent. So I, I practiced some of these with my daughter, who's nine. And um, I sat there with my daughter and I said, right, so I used to work at Kodak. Her hand went up. Yes, what is it? What's Kodak? Well, it's a company that used to make uh, cameras and film and you used to put it and take photos. So I carried on with my daughter, who's nine years old. Hand up. Why did you put film in a camera for? Why not put a card in? I'll explain it later. Just, just listen to me, okay? <laughs> so I used to work at Kodak, and um, you all know here, Kodak made the first digital camera, right? You all know that? This was it. So looking at it on the guys on the podcast, it's a, an image of the very first digital camera. So do you know when this was made? Or first designed? 60s. 70s. Yeah. 78. So some engineers, so Kodak had a huge research and development center. They've got thousands of patents. And what they did was the engineers were given kind of free will to go and research and design, et cetera, et cetera. 
And um, at the time, Polaroid were doing really well. You remember Polaroid? You take a photo, it kind of comes out, yeah. So customers wanted something kind of straight away. And uh, some of the briefs that were given is go and design something where customers can kind of either look at it or see it straight away. So some engineers designed this, the first digital camera. Um, he shared it amongst his uh, peers, amongst his managers. And uh, what was the first thing do you think the managers thought, the senior exec thought? Right, exactly that. Kodak was so cash rich, you would not believe. They had money come in left, right, and center. Film was just, they, they were just making it, just printing money, basically, literally, no pun intended. And so they designed this and literally just that, you know, well, that, we're not gonna sell film. There's a blue cabinet, go away and lock it in there. Don't wanna see it again. That's what the engineer did. He went away, locked it away, and um, that was it, closed the doors. Obviously, when you file for patents and you know newsletters and word gets out, other organizations found out about the technology. Others were working on it as well, Canon and Nikon, etc. And guess what? They started building their own digital cameras. Kodo found out, thought, oh, hold on. I'm sure we did something around this. Where's that blue cabinet? Open it up, get it out, dust it off. Right, what can we do with it? And they started building it. But what had happened is they're too late to the game. That technology, Nikon, Canon, they're already started building it, they're already doing it. Because why? They were listening to the customer. The customer was saying, you know, I want something quicker. I want to see my photos kind of straight away. Have I taken a good photo? Kodak didn't listen. All Kodak was interested in was money. All the senior execs wanted to do was just see their bonuses. They weren't listening at all. The customers were saying, we want to, we want to see photos quickly. We want to see it straight away. No, you want to buy film. That's what you want to do. Spend more money on marketing, more money on pushing film out, more products. You might remember they brought out the APS film uh, back in kind of 80s, mid 80s, late 80s. And so it was a cartridge, you just slot it in and you don't have to put the film in. <clears throat> Once again, film, why are you still working on that? People don't want that. And they were bringing that in the 90s and more marketing, etc. That's great, but they weren't listening. And that was the biggest downfall when you, you can read all the textbooks. And I remember I was working there. And you know, we used to have brainstorming sessions. And this was the time, so I was there at 2001, and this is the, the kind of pivot time where things weren't going quite right. And they were asking for ideas, and one of the ideas that one of our groups had was, well, why do you have a frame where someone can see the photos on a rotational basis? Yeah, like a photo frame? So everyone has pictures, when you have a uh, kind of a screen in there that changes all the time. That was one of the ideas that we had in London at Kodak. And uh, did anyone listen to us? Well, a few people did. But how long did it take to actually implement anything forever? What well, seemed like forever anyway. So they weren't listening, not even to their own internal employees who have an idea. They weren't, just weren't listening. And that was the ultimate downfall of uh, Kodak. They, they didn't listen. And that's one key thing that we've got to do is listen. Internally, to your employees, what are they saying? And your customers as well. So that was um, around 1978, 79, around that sort of time, um, this photo was taken. Now, this is a team that I support and wear sports and uh, the Nottingham Forest. They were in 75, they were kind of at the bottom of the second division doing really poor, losing games. And within two, three years, they'd gone up, won several games. And the European Cup is like the thing, you know? All the big clubs who had lots of money, they were winning it. And um, there was a guy who came in and he listened to some of the players and he understood what I had to do. And he listened to the supporters, what type of football they wanted to play. And he made a formula and they were winning the European Cup. Why am I sharing this with you? Well, I just wanted to. I just want to tell you, you know, my favorite team. <laughs> we won the European Cup. Things haven't gone that well since then, but hey, I don't care. <laughs> no, seriously, there's a point here, listening, right? So as a team, why did they connect? So these players used to play before, but really poorly, but they started listening to each other. Pass me the ball. How simple is that? Pass me the ball. It's a really simple phrase, right? Say a bit louder and get into an area where you can pass the ball. Um, you guys have probably seen this before. Um, there's a lot of text on there. For the guys listening, um, it's about user requirements. You know, there's, um, you can, when you start doing a lot of research and you start um, asking people a lot of questions, you build up a user requirements list, right? And as a user, as a customer, you, you can have a thousand and one things. But what is it really that they want? Um, and then the last point here is, you know, um, 
on, on this slide, there's a lot of things that they want to do, et cetera. And the good point is that I need to add easy to use. People want simplicity, right? Going back to that Kodak, Kodak example, they want to see the photos straight away. They want it simple. I, I don't know how many of you had the 32 millimeter film, but I couldn't put the film in. I was young, very young. Just about able to walk then. <laughs> and it's very difficult to put the film in for me, right? But how easy is it right now? Okay, to take a photo is so easy. So people want it easy. <clears throat> and it's understanding what your customer wants. So customers can explain to you and they'll explain it from their vision. So as a customer, you know, it could be anything. I want a beer, right? So in my head, I'm thinking I want a beer. Um, I want it soft. I want it like this. I want X alcohol contents. Then the person listening will take those phrases and apply their own thinking. Now let's be honest, we're very diverse, aren't we? Right? So I'm from London, born in Nottingham, uh, mum and dad were from India, so I've got that whole heritage, the culture going on, right? And I could speak to someone who's here, born in Atlanta, you know, uh, who's got their own heritage and background, etc. So when I'm trying to describe something with my influences, with my culture and all the rest, you could be interpreting that in a different way and then build something that I don't really want. So it's really what their needs are and, and break it down into really simple terms. What is it that the person wants out of this? Yeah. I find it really easy when telling stories. Um, and when you're listening, break it down and, and get the customer to tell it in a story because you can understand stories. So when you were younger and um, someone's telling a story, it always started with once upon a time, right? Once upon a time, there's a great guy, flew from Britain, came to Sandbox, gave an amazing talk to a select few people. They all remembered it, went off, started their own little companies or implied it into their own organization, made millions, fantastic, super, retired, brought some big yachts, happy. <laughs> now you're all gonna remember that story, right? <laughs> if it happens, that's another story. <laughs> but you're gonna remember, but it's all about telling the story. Okay, and there's very key things that you would have picked up on there. I'm, I'm guessing a number of you would have picked up the word yacht. Why? Why did you pick up the word yacht? And not some of the other things I said. You instantly visualized it. Right, exactly. You instantly visualized it. You can see yourself on a yacht with a glass of champagne, right? You can see that. Or a drink, whichever you have in, right? You can visually, mentally connect with that. So I could have said a lot of things, but the word yacht straight away stuck with you. So use words or prompt whoever's telling you what they want to use words to describe it. So you can hang on to that. What do you think keeps these three guys awake at night? So for guys listening on the podcast, I've got a photo of three CEOs on the screen. What do you think keeps these guys awake at night? Not where the yacht is, that's not one of them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> What do you think keeps them awake? Where to take their, the, um, their company, the next step to take. Exactly that, exactly that. The baller, the baller guy in the bottom, Walmart. Walmart, Amazon. Yep. Yep. Competition. 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 The sleeping giants that they disrupted and they could potentially wake up and throw in a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Totally that. Anything else? Any others? The current stock price. Current stock price. Right. How much investment am I getting into this? Totally. You're all absolutely right. You're all absolutely right. How's, how, who's going to disrupt me? You know, which startup's going to come in, take over? Because they've all kind of done it in a way to other companies, right? And you're right, how can I grow my business? I don't want to be the next Kodak. Everyone says that as an example. By the way, Kodak's still going. I get pension letters from them. And just to be clear, I'm nowhere near my pension age. Okay. <laughs> it's just, they're just telling me I'm still alive and your pension pot's still there. I see a trend there. here. Your age is a sensitive topic, I suppose. Huh? <laughs> I'll invite you to my... Very <laughs> mature. That's right. We're here all week. We're all from Coke with the, with the one-liner. No worries. So you're absolutely right. You know, how can I grow my business? That is key for these guys. All right. And I'm guessing all of you are thinking the same thing. How can I grow, whether it might be, you know, myself as a person, as an individual, my organization. So you might own an organization. You might be starting a startup. You might be relatively new. 
you might be working somewhere or whatever it might be you know everyone has those same thoughts and these guys especially because why the world leaders at the moment you know what's next what can they deliver from a service point of view so Amazon they've got the store now on the uh, my bearings yeah. right yeah. thank you um, so you order it within an hour four hours you go over pick it up we did it today actually four hours went to pick how awesome is that how awesome is that? He's listening to people because people don't want to wait, do they? Do you want to wait? Do you like queuing up? I don't. You know, why do you want to wait when you can just, you're on your computer, you're checking your Facebook, oh, so-and-so went on holiday, hold on, let me order some, some something from Amazon. You order it, oh, I'll pick it up in four hours, I'm going to go and get a sandwich or, you know, a bagel, as you guys eat here. <laughs> and you go and pick your, you go and pick your parcel from Amazon. That's what customers want. They want efficiency. They want to be able to do it quick. And that's what these guys are thinking. You think of Google or Alphabet, you know, the, the number of services they have now, and they're expanding. Microsoft, do you have to buy PowerPoint every time now, you know, when a new version's released? No, you just download it. You got the whole, you know, 365 and everything else going. I think it was last year, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, it wasn't Microsoft at um, Apple's uh, talk. They're all working together. They're all trying to understand how can we push our business forward, right? They're listening. That's the key thing, listen. So one of the things I want you guys to take away from tonight, do you remember I said there's two things? Yeah, this is the first thing that I want you to take away from tonight, please. Stop what you're doing. You can keep drinking your beer, not right now. <laughs> Stop what you're doing. Understand what is it that you're delivering, okay? What, what is it? Are your customers happy? Are your customers buying lots of it? Are there any risks or issues? What do you need to do? Okay, how can you grow? Collaborate. This is so important. Now, you, you are all very clever, clever individuals. I'm assuming there for a second because I don't all know you're individual. <laughs> but you're very clever, right? But you might not have all the answers. So collaborate. Talk to other people in the room today. It's great. You've got folks from all different companies. Scott's done a great job here, right? With different backgrounds and experiences. Talk to each other. Share what you do. There might be someone who says, oh, I know a little bit of that, or I know someone over there who does this. Collaborate, very important. Finally, listen, okay? Listen to what they're saying. Now, it might be that there's nothing you can offer me, but it's great, I'll remember it. You, you all know how the 3M post-it note came about, right? Do you know how the 3M post-it note, you know the post-it notes, mm -hmm. sticky notes? You know how it came about, right? I'm going to quickly share it for those who don't. So at 3M, they have a conference where they kind of share all the failures in virtual commerce. They have a lot of innovation going, and they share all the failures that they have, which is a bit strange. Why do you want to share your failures? You, know, you failed. You're a failure. Move out. Next. But they share their failures. Now, there's a project going on where um, they wanted a sticky tape, um, and they wanted it really strong. And this guy who was working on the project, it just was not strong enough. It, it, it stick for a little while, you could peel it off, and they, that didn't fit the remit, okay? And um, so this guy in the audience, and he was at church, and he had his, his book out, and he was singing hymns, and he kept on losing his page, and he thought, wouldn't it be great if I just had something that could just get like a marker, you know, at the top, that keep me on the page, wouldn't that be great? Anyway, he, he's, he was sat there, and this guy come on stage, his project leader, and he's saying, um, yeah, so I'm working on this really strong sticky tape. You know that doesn't peel off. Unfortunately, I'm a failure. It didn't work. I've got this tape that just peels off really easily. No good. But I'll share it with you, you know, and so you talk through it. This guy's thinking, sat there, hey, that could work in my hymn book, right? It could, I could stick it at the top, and it, if, if it peels off easy, that's great. So afterwards, they had a little network, and they had free beers, and um, so they went over, and he said, hey, hey, can I get some of that tape? I'd like to test it, because I'll you know, get to church, and I sing, and I need it in my hymn book, and blah, blah, blah. He's like, knock yourself out, mate, I'm a failure. There you go, if it works, great. So we took it, and that night went to church, and he tried a bit, and he goes, this is awesome. This is great, look at it. He, he was over the moon, he went back, told his bosses, and the rest is history. So some, someone else's failure because they were listening. He was sat there listening and trying to apply it to himself. And, you know, so this was out of work. This was totally something that he does in his personal time. But yet, look what he did. There's a lot more to the story. You know, I'm on limited time here. <laughs> it's a longer story than that. I've given you kind of a short version, right? So listen and apply it to out of work, out of process, out of, you know, whatever you do on a day-to-day -day basis. Just go and do something different and then listen. So stop, collaborate, and listen. Now, at this moment, I usually break out into the Vanilla Ice song, but I won't because we're restricted for time, right? But an easy way to remember it is to stop, collaborate with various people, and listen.
Okay. So that's the first part about listening. Very key. And I'll keep emphasizing it. You know, we all like to tell our own story once upon a time. The yacht. Remember that? Yeah. We all like to tell our own stories. But sometimes just pause and let other people talk and just take in what they're saying. I'm just going to move on to um, learn. So you've heard the phrase, knowledge is power. Yeah. Um, Connect with me on LinkedIn, guys. Barrel Bansell, you'll, you'll find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I wrote a blog um, earlier on in the year called Knowledge is Power. Um, it's quite good, I thought. Carl thought that as well. Um, Tim, Tim hasn't read it. Um, <laughs> there's, there's two or three cheese jokes in there, right? In the, the blog post? No? There was, uh, there was two, you're right. Two, there was two, yeah. And there's some song lyrics in there as well. Some Spice Girls song lyrics. Do you know Spice Girls, yeah? Yeah, I'm not going to sing. Um, so knowledge is power, right? <laughs> so knowledge is power, right? You've heard of that, right? The more you know, the more powerful you can be, okay? And we also know power is nothing without control. Pirelli, they use that a lot, yeah? Power is nothing without control. So knowledge is power. The more you learn, the more you understand, the more you can do. And the more you can apply that to yourself. And do something that's not in your normal day-to-day -day remit. Just, just go totally off course. Just do something totally different. And I can guarantee you, it'll pay dividends. Take my origami course. Why? It'll, it'll free your mind. It'll get you to think differently. Make a boat out of paper. What's the point in that? I can guarantee you, somehow, somewhere, sometime, that will work in your favor. You, you will think, hold on. I can fold this like this. What if I did something here or there and whatever it might be? Go and learn a bit of Japanese. Go and learn the song lyrics to Vanilla Rice, you know, Ice Ice Baby. I don't know. Do something totally different that you wouldn't normally do. Now, we know the founder of Apple, right? Um, he liked calligraphy. You know that? The fonts. And that's what he brought into Apple, and that's why Apple's really good with fonts. And You know? You wouldn't connect the two, would you? IT and calligraphy is like, you know, uh, fonts. I don't see the connection. A bit like myself, HR and IT. How the hell did that happen? You know, do different things and that will help you to kind of learn different things and connect with different people. I'm connecting it back to the whole collaboration piece, yeah? How many of you guys know this guy? Super, one. So I've got an image of um, Eddie Edwards. The Eagle. There you go. So I've got an image movie. of Eddie the Eagle. Have you seen this movie? I have, have oh, you? good stuff, yeah. Yeah. You just sport my next five minutes now. Damn. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> have you seen the movie? Anybody seen the movie? So um, I recommend you watch Eddie the Eagle movie. I cried at the end. Oh, I cried in the middle of it too. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I'll, yeah. yeah, I had a little tear, but I was able to control it. I um, I cried at the end of it. The 11, the one, just threw me. I'm gone. Tears. Don't, I'll start again. Um, <laughs> so, so Eddie the Eagle. Why, why, why have I got a picture of Eddie the Eagle? Um, he's a character. He's a great character. Now, I'm going to uh, watch the film. I'm not going to tell you everything, but I'm going to give you a short summary of this. So, Eddie Edwards is his name. Um, he wanted to be an Olympian. That was his dream. From a young age, I want to be an Olympian. So, he, he took up skiing. Just normal skiing, right? And he made it into the team. But because of his characteristics, the way he was, he, wasn't, he didn't fit the norm. Okay, so his family wasn't rich, he didn't have a lot of money, he wasn't connected, didn't get the sponsorship, etc. etc. So the people on the Olympic Committee in GB were a little bit, um, That'd be Great Britain, Great Britain, sorry, GB, GB, Great Britain. Great Britain, thank you. Um, they were a little bit, how can I put it, stiff upper lip, right? So they didn't want him representing Great Britain, he didn't and, fit the mold, thank you, didn't, didn't have that elegance, he didn't have the elegance, David, a great word, he didn't have the elegance. Um, so he cried and his dad was a plasterer right so his dad said look come and do plastering you're never going to be an Olympian so he went and did it and he said no dad I want to do this I really want I want to learn how to do this so he went back and you know he practiced a little bit and it, it just wasn't working out and then he, he looked at other sports he looked at what else can I do and then he realized there wasn't a ski long jump jumper for Great Britain Okay, I'll do that. If there isn't one, I've got zero competition. So they have to select me, right? So he starts to learn, and this is harder than what you think. So he tries it, he breaks a few bones. He tries it again, he starts to learn, and then he has a coach who starts to kind of give him a few hints and tips. And um, the, he goes back to the Olympic committee and says, hey, I can do this. There's no one there, so you can't say no to me. And he's all happy, and they're like, 
well, we've got some restrictions. You have to beat 60 meters. And at that time, that was a huge distance. And he was like, well, you're joking, right? I can't do it. And they just made this up. They thought, he, Eddie can't do 60 meters, simple. Therefore, great, he'll never be in the team. What does he do? Right. He goes, he practices, he learns from the coach. He goes to trials, he practices, practices, practices. He hits the 60 meters. Goes back, guess what? I've done 60 meters. So the Great Britain Olympic Committee think, holy crap. We've got to let him in. So he goes to the Olympics in Canada. And uh, first time there, he goes skiing and he's learning all the time, right? He's learning all the time. So he goes, he does the jump and uh, he lands. What position do you think he came? There, there's probably about six, seven people doing it. What position do you think he came? You can't tell anyone. You think first, first, last? He came last, he came last. But you don't, do you know what he did? He celebrated like he'd come first. He, he landed, he knew he was last, he knew that, but he jumped around, why? Because he landed. A lot of people fall over, right? When you do the long jump, the, the, the ski jump, a lot of people fall over, right? He'd, he'd done it, he'd landed, he got 60 something meters, he, sell, he went crazy. He went, and the crowd absolutely loved it. He became a celebrity, straight away. But he was learning, right? You gotta watch the rest of the film, I'm not gonna tell you what happened after that, but I cried at the end. Okay, but the key thing here, why am I showing you Eddie the Eagle? Because he kept on learning, he did not give up and he found a different avenue. There was blockers in his way, people weren't letting him progress. He was like, right, no, you can't do it because of your looks, because of who you are, you know, no, it's just a no. He had blockers. Hey, that's not going to put me off, I'm going to be an Olympian. That's all he kept on saying. Doesn't matter where he came, he wanted to be an Olympian and guess what? He became an Olympian. You gotta watch the film, I really recommend it. So he kept on learning, and that's the thing. Everyone, we all come up with blockers. We'll have moments in our life, during work, startups, entrepreneurs, all the rest, you know, we will have blockers. Take a moment just to reflect, take a step back. So he, when he got rejected quite a few times, he went plastering with his dad, and he was doing the plastering on the walls, and then he'd come back again. And sometimes you need that break. Take a break, just, just go and do something crazy. Just go and do something else. And then come back and refocus. And you'll have more energy, and you'll be able to do it. And it's all about, um, it's all about time, you know, how long things take. Virgin, Richard Branson. How many of you know, I've, I've had to write these dates down because I can't remember off by hand. Um, how long do you, do you think it took him from the moment his solicitor said, you've got a landing spot at Heathrow Airport in London to the moment when he actually could get a plane and get it all sorted and actually land there? How long do you think it took him? Five years, a month, which is, wow. <laughs> it took him three months. What did he want to do? So British Airways was the only kind of, they had the monopoly, so to speak, right? So they were doing these flights from London to New York. And um, he wanted to offer a better service, high quality value for money. That's what he had. He wanted to offer something because he was listening to the customers. And he had learned that I've got an opportunity here. So his solicitor said, right, I've got your landing spot at Heathrow in, uh, in July. Sorry, June. So in June, you've got a landing spot. What does he do? So in February, he had the concept. March, he um, gets a license granted to take these flights. He leases an aircraft from Boeing. He puts up the ticket in, gets customers, takes off. Three months. Now, you guys working here in different companies and startups, do you think you could do that in three months? Get a landing spot uh, at uh, the local airport here, get an aircraft, get a ticketing set up, get passengers on there and make a flight. All right, he had a bit more capital than what most of us have, but still, he had that determination, he had that passion. Just like Eddie the Eagle, he had the passion. Yeah, to do it. You can all do it, everyone can do it. It's simple. But what Richard did was he learned as well. He learned that I can do something that British Airways aren't doing. You've probably heard of various stats and this one really got me. So 40% of the companies on the Fortune 500 list in 2000, not that long ago, 2000, were no longer there in 2010. 40%, wow. 40, and 2000 isn't long ago, right? 
So within the space of here, we're probably. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Sorry, for me, 2000 is still like you know a couple of years back. <laughs> you know, you keep bringing up this age thing. I know. I'm really concerned about this. He's got it in for me, right? <laughs> I tell you, I'll invite you to my 21st birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> times three, right? Yeah, times three. Um, 40%. Oh, no, why do you think they're not there? Why do you think they're not there? They didn't innovate. Absolutely right. They didn't innovate. They didn't learn. They didn't listen. They didn't get customers. They weren't getting paid. They made mistakes. Yeah, 40% is a high number. It's a big number in recent times as well. So if you look at a lot of companies that are really making it big now, you know, a lot of smaller, I'll call them startups, but they're not now, they're getting more and more bigger, like Uber, et cetera. You know, what are they doing? Why are they being more successful? Because they're listening and they're learning and they're applying those key principles to their process. How do you say it? process? Process. Process. Sorry. Process. Process. Right. Yeah, process. Yeah, process. Okay. Process. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, the process, anything you do in your organizations, okay, you'll have a process. Simple, right? And it's about understanding. It's making that, so on the screen here, I'm showing three boxes, process one, two, and three. On the left, you've got customer request to customer's receipt. So, as a customer, I want a drink. So, I'm going to go to the bar. I want a drink. Okay? Traditionally, what would you do? Well, it's not traditionally. You still do it now, right? So I want a drink. So I'll go to the bar. Uh, I'll wait. Okay, so box one, I'll wait. Process two, the the bartender comes over. Bartender, does that translate? Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yes, that's good. Okay. Yeah. Bartender walks over. Sorry, and some of the English words I say don't always translate. So I've got my translator to the left of me. So the bartender will come over. Yeah, box two. Uh, box three, I'll have to tell him what I want. Box four, he'll say, you have to speak louder, I can't hear you. There's, there's a lot of music going on, a lot of people. Box five, this is what I want. I want a Jameson, etc., etc. I, I drink Jameson, okay? Number six, he goes away, he, he pours me a drink. Number seven, he comes over, puts the drink down, yeah? Number eight, I'll give him some cash. Number nine, he goes over. Number 10, comes over, gives me a receipt. We're done. Okay, so from customer request, 10 steps. Did you follow all those, yeah? 10 steps. From customer request, I want a drink, to customer receipt, me getting the receipt by those 10 steps. Now, what are companies doing? Why 40% why of organizations disappeared? Because other companies are coming in and doing it quicker and easier. They're learning, they're listening. They're making this, this value stream, this lead time shorter. Go back to Kodak. Remember Kodak? They wanted, customers want to see the photos straight away. They don't want to go get them developed, have to wait 24 hour processing, get your photos back, have a look at them, share them. It's too long, the process is too long, okay? So go back to the process of me getting a drink. So what are companies doing now? Great example here, right? I go to a screen, I select my drink, it pours my drink, I take my drink, and I pay for my drink five steps what am I going to do am I going to wake you up talk to someone or am I just going to go to a machine get exactly the same drink that could be even more streamlined than it is it could have prepayment done in, which I'm guessing it has it'd be uh, for those listening Mojure Mojure.co right I'm, I'm guessing they're the leaders yeah. in, in this there's they got the, the euro <laughs> there you go so why are these companies doing so great because of that they simplifying that process they're listening to customers, right? They're listening, they're understanding. What the customer, they want their drinks quicker. Who, who wants a drink quickly like that? We all do. Everybody wants to wait. Yeah? Do you want a beer, Carl? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody wants to drink quickly, okay? So it's all about that process. It's just bringing it quicker. Do your steps quick. Look for where the value is, okay? Where, where are you adding value in your process? And where are you not adding value? So like I said, follow me on LinkedIn because tomorrow I'm putting a blog post up talking about value and non-value. There's some things that I've done where I've taken non-value out and kind of made my time more effective.
understand what the value is. It's a great concept. I saw these guys in Manchester a couple of weeks ago and I was, I stumbled. <laughs> I've seen them here in uh, George Tech. What the hell are they doing in Manchester in England? But it's great because that's what people want. That's the way the demand is. It was fantastic to see it. Absolutely fantastic. And that's, you know, go back to wherever you guys are. If, you, if you're starting something, you're working in an organization, whatever it might be, you'll all have a process, right? And just look at the steps, map it out like that. Box one, two, what do I do? And then think, well, what would the customer, well, I'm a customer, what would I want to do here? Well, I don't want to wait. I don't want to, you know, give cash over, kind of a prepayment and et cetera, et cetera. So the second thing I'd like you to take, so the second thing I'd like you to take away from tonight is this. To improve, you need to remove, okay? Have a look, understand what you're doing, learn what you're doing, learn from customers, listen to them, and then remove items that do not add value. Items that, you know, that are not necessary in your process. So to improve, you need to remove. And that's how you can stay effective. Look at Amazon. So I could, you know, I was on Twitter earlier and tweeting away, and um, I told my colleague, I said, oh, I need to get something from Amazon. He goes, yeah, I'll order it, we'll pick it up when we go grab a bite to it. And that, yeah, how quick was that? Otherwise I'd have to wait to be posted to my house. And that's relatively new. You know, when you order something on Amazon, it gets posted to your house. You know, that's still what's happening now. Hey, four hours later, I've got it. They're listening to the customers, they're improving the service. Yes, they're testing out drones, etc. A matter of time before it, it just comes down and lands on my desk. I don't know how that's going to work with the ceiling, but... <laughs> but they're listening, right? They're making that lead time. See that lead time on the slide before? Yeah, they're removing steps out to improve. You need to remove. Remember that. So two things. If you take away, stop, collaborate, and listen. And you can sing the song if you want, if it helps you remember it easier. I'm not getting paid enough. And, and the second thing is to improve, you need to remove. All right, so finally, is the customer always right? What do you think? Oh, this is my last slide, don't worry guys, I'm nearly done now. <laughs> is the customer always right, what do you think? No. No, why not? Why isn't the customer always right? Noisy customer. They don't, they, don't know what they, they don't know what's possible. Absolutely. They don't know the latest technology. They don't know what you know. You know a lot more. Okay? So, I love this quote. So, um, Henry Ford, if you'd asked his customers what they wanted, a faster horse. They don't know how a combustion engine works. To be fair, I don't know how a combustion engine works. I know what one is. They didn't. Right? But he did. He knew, hold on, this will go faster than a faster horse. So what you know, you guys have knowledge. Now what is knowledge? Power, right? And therefore, then you have the power to build on that. Build something great. Build something great. Something fantastic. Because you've got the knowledge, you've got the power, and then you're able to control it. Collaborate with others. So remember, there's two things, right? To so stop, collaborate, and listen. Remove to improve, okay? And you guys have some great knowledge. You're very clever people. And use that to your advantage. Thank you very much. I'm open for questions. All right. All right, within, within this, this, this room of people, anybody got something that's in their head that they want to ask up? You can raise your hand or come up. Come up, Carl from Coke. Long walk from the back row to the front row. Long time listener, first time caller. Thank you. Um, question for you. Um, at Coke, what's been your favorite project that you've worked on? Um, that's a great question. Favorite project? I think um, there's a couple, but the one I'll probably mention is kind of recently we did in, um, in Paris. Uh, what we did was we, um, we were able to take over a cafe in Paris and put some technologies we've been testing for the past year and a half into the cafe and kind of understand how customers react to it. Are we able to sell more Coke, etc. Now, this is the um, first time it's ever been done in, in kind of the Coca-Cola system. It's the first time it's ever been done in Paris. Um, first time we didn't know how customers were going to react. The director and the VP, was take, they were taking a massive risk 
huge risk. This could go totally, um, as we would say in England, Pete Tong, which means wrong. This is kind of slam, uh, rhyming slang. Um, so this could have gone totally wrong. But uh, through pushing it and trying it, we did it. Um, so customers engage with some tech, not some tech. And the great thing is the ones that we did engage, we know we can sell more Coke through that. So what do we do? We'll get some more of that tech because we want to sell more Coke. So the greatest project is where we were able to influence non-tech people to use tech to sell more Coke. This is a harder one. Who, who are you? Roger from Psychic. What project do you think is the, the digital camera from Coke that they still don't want to work on and you think you should head there? So if, which one are they saying no right now, but you think they're going to then say yes later on? Or you, they should say yes later on? We're in... Um, so the, the equivalent in Coke for what the digital camera was for Kodak. Yeah, see, that's much harder. So. <laughs> that's a very hard question. Um, there's lots. There's lots. There, there, there aren't... You personally, as... You're, you're in your gut, you feel that this is, you know, I, I'm going to have to work on this one. This podcast has got big influence inside of Coca-Cola, so <laughs> you might be able to land this one if you share right here. There is, I'll hand on heart, there isn't one that I can say. There's a few, there's a few. Now, you know, Coca-Cola faces a number of challenges um, around the world. Um, but the brand is just totally amazing and, and people love it. Um, I, I don't think we're going to be affected by anything digital as such per se, um, like Kodak was. Um, you know, digital, everyone said digital killed Kodak. It didn't. It was Kodak didn't listen. Um, I don't think there's any, anything like that that I have control over I can do. Um, you know, the brand's going to keep going for, for years and years and years because, you know, they, there's some great people at, at the organization. Um, so we're from the bottler side and the company side, and we all work together as a family. We all work together, um, kind of developing, understanding. It takes a little bit of time, but we are becoming more agile. We are, you know, leaders are listening. And why are they listening? Because they can see what other startups are doing. They can see smaller companies. They can see things happening around Georgia Tech, right? They can see what other people are doing, and they know we have to do something to keep going. We can't just, you know, the traditional methods of selling Coke. We can't keep doing that. We can't keep doing that, you know? We've got to use latest technology like iBeacons, like, you know, IoT and et cetera, et cetera. We've got to use this robotics and augmented reality and we've got to be using that to keep customers engaged in order for us to sell more coke and we're doing it we're doing it we're getting it you know it's taking a little bit of time but we're getting there and we're doing it so this is barry givens from masseur um and as a company that is a, a startup it's a b2b uh, you've mentioned several times during your uh during your uh presentation that these larger companies don't even listen to the people that they pay. And so as someone coming as a third party provider or technology provider to these larger companies, what's some advice that you would give to a startup like myself trying to get into the larger companies and work with them to get them to listen to somebody that they don't even know exists? That's a great question. Um, so I've actually got experience of um, startups coming and kind of talking to me, pitching, saying, hey, we've got this great item. We want Coca-Cola to take on board, work with this, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think this kind of boils down to kind of a two or three things. Um, number one, people don't have time. Okay, so people within Coca-Cola are busy, right? They're running around, working on various projects. Um, they don't have time for you to come along and tell me something. So you got to be, remember the story, once upon a time? What, what do you remember at that? The word yacht, okay? So you're going to have a limited amount of time. If you do get my attention, right? If you get an opportunity, and I'm not going to break into the Eminem song with the 8 Mile, but if you do get an opportunity, you got to hit me with something that I will remember you by, okay? you got to tell me, hold on. So you've got to tell you a story, you've got to be quick, and something that's going to benefit me and Coca-Cola. Okay, so are you going to help me sell more Coke? Are you going to make it easier for customers to buy more Coke? What is it? What is it you're trying to do that's going to help me at Coca-Cola? So that's number one, is I don't have a lot of time, make it quick, right? So when you step into, it's like stepping in the ring, right? You're a boxer, you know how much time you've got. Okay, like Mike Tyson says, um, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face, right? It's happening with companies. So you step into the ring, tell me, 
quick, be quick about it. Um, number two, I brought that slide with the CEOs, what keeps them up awake at night, how I'm gonna grow my business, yeah? How, what can you do for me in growing the business? What, what is it there? Um, there's opportunities for you to connect with people in Coca-Cola, you know, there's various um, social media platforms and, you know, yeah, I mentioned LinkedIn and various other places and, you know, you can even knock on the door of Coca-Cola and go in and say, hey, I've got something, how, how can we connect? But you've got to be quick about it and you've got to make it so it's from the customer, they, they're thinking, okay, this is going to work for me, it's going to do something for me. Yeah, so I think two things there is, one is time, people just don't have time, so you've got to be quick and hit some words. And it'll take you a while to get your, you know, you call it an elevator pitch, whatever it might be. It'll take you time, but you've got to get it in a way where when you do get that opportunity, you knock them out. And then number two is you've got to learn, what is it that Coca-Cola want, what do you want to do? So all around the world, there's different, you know, we're facing all sorts of issues around the world. What part of the world are you trying to concentrate on? Who are you trying to target? So remember, learn and listen. So you gotta listen. And who are you talking to in Coca-Cola as well? What do they wanna hear? I hope that answers your question. Awesome. Super. Well, that's, uh, that's all the time we have for questions and the knowledge dropping you have. Uh, do you wanna close with another cheese joke? <laughs> Tim's shaking his head. I'll say no at this present moment in time. <laughs> but I will say, you know, thank you very much. Um, if there are any questions, you know, where, where, where can people find you online? I mean, you said LinkedIn, but where else yeah, are, are you? So, are you on the on the interwebs? Uh, yeah. So you, Twitter at uh, Balbansal, B-A-L-B-A-N-S-A-L. Uh, link with me on Twitter. Um, I would say you find me on Instagram as well, but I've just got photos of cheese on there and food. Pictures of food. So if you want to see, you know, what kind of food I'm eating, do that. On Instagram, I'm at Bista, Balbansal, M-R, B-A-L-B-A-N-S-A-L. Um, LinkedIn, blah, blah, blah. Um, Twitter is probably your best bet. You know, fire questions, you know, ask me. And, and I'm not just going to let you ask me questions. I'm going to ask you questions. I want to learn from you, you know, what you do. So just round up very quickly. Um, have you got two minutes? Okay. So we were, we were having a quick bite to eat upstairs and uh, one of the students was sat opposite me. And I said, hey, how are you doing? Good, good, good. And he was saying, I said, so what are you doing? He goes, I'm applying for jobs. So okay, how's it going? He goes, not very good. Went to Facebook, they said no. Went to Twitter, they said no. Went somewhere else, they said no. Well, I see a bit of a theme here. Everyone's saying no to you. Um, I said, you know the guy who founded WhatsApp? You got rejected from Facebook, Twitter. Why don't you go and build something yourself? Now, it's going to be difficult. And straight away, the blockers were there. And I was like, really? Seriously? You know, you're pointing up blockers and you've not even tried anything. The guy who found, founded WhatsApp, do you think he did that? Do you think, no, I haven't got the time to do it. Seriously, guys, you know, you can make time, you know, put some thought into it, put some ideas, write them down, talk to other people, yeah? I talk to Tim, Carl, the guys, you know, I share all sorts of cheese jokes and, you know, I'm going to, one day I will get a cheese joke that's going to be, they're going to laugh at, and I'm going to think, I've done it, I've hit it, and then I'm going to real publicize that. But that's just for me, my own personal gain. But, you know, keep working at it and um, you guys will get there. Just remember, listen and collaborate with other people and learn. Well, thanks for your time. Thank you for sharing the knowledge. We'll be happy to share this on the, uh, on, on the post. You'll see the, uh, the link to the, uh, uh, all of these interweb connections that we have for you, as well as the embed of your, your presentation. So thanks for coming out to the garage, Thank you. the home of Sandbox ATL. Thank you for sharing what you had. Thank you very much. TechSquare ATL is a media studio connecting you to the heart of Atlanta's tech community. Copyright Sandbox Communities, LLC.